Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. I'm probably freaking some of you out just looking at all the stuff I got here. So if you'll take that and just and turn them, yeah, like that. Um, there's, there is method in the madness. And um, I'll, I'll be telling you about that in, in just a little bit. Not quite yet, but in just a little bit um, as we kind of start to dive in. So, uh, there we go. Just kind of as we look at and talk about what we're looking at today, um, it got me thinking back, the theme dive in to my first swimming lesson. Um, they were by the American Red Cross at the City Park Pool in Alexandria, Louisiana, and I was probably seven or eight. Um, that's kind of old compared to way, when most children are being taught to swim now, but um, I think it was the first pool I had ever been in. So uh, up to that point, it had been creeks and, and, and lakes and no swimming. Well, We'd, we'd, it was summertime, we'd arrive for our lessons, and they would make us sit on the edge of the pool, and we could get our feet wet, but Alexandria is not, is not maybe not quite as humid as, as Houston, but it's pretty darn close. And so about 10 o'clock in the morning, you got a bunch of squirming boys and girls sitting there on the side of the pool, and it's getting hot. And they're trying to instruct us, and we're just sitting there and getting hotter, and the water is feeling better and better. And so when we finally got to get in, it felt so good. Well, often as we paint a picture for you of what a disciple of Jesus Christ looks like and how he or she lives their life, you may need some instruction. You may not know how to move forward or take some next steps and, and all, but we want to help you in that journey in this series that we're calling Dive In inviting you to dive into four spiritual practices that will help you know God better and follow Jesus more closely. They're not things we've come up with. They've, the church has used them historically for centuries, uh, going back even into the time of the Old Testament. So uh, we're going to begin today looking at the Bible involving reading, studying, meditating, and memorizing God's Word. Because every time God's people have di dived into God's Word, Lives have been changed. It's always been true, all throughout history and through many of our lives, you could make that same testimony. So I want to point us to one of many examples in the Bible. Uh, I invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 22. That's in the Old Testament. Um, it's a, a book of history, and you can also use the YouVersion Bible app, or you can use the notes that are printed and found in your bulletin. Uh, let me just kind of set the stage a little bit first. The time um, is in the 600s B.C., and the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed nearly a century earlier by Assyria. So here's a map, and it's not coming, it's pretty fuzzy, and I thought it was going to be more clear than that. Oh, well. Uh, Mediterranean, Egypt, the Holy Land right here, and Assyria, this is modern-day um, uh, Iraq and Iran, and Assyria is, was this uh, at the beginning of the time, and it grew to encompass this whole area. 
it was a major power by the, the early 600s or late 680s, 690s, 670s, something like that. Um, the southern kingdom of Judah, led by a faithful king named Hezekiah, had, he and, and the people of God had their faith affirmed in God miraculously as they overcame the Assyrians around 700 B.C. And Hezekiah was a great king. And there was a, there's a lot in the Bible that talks about how good a king he was. But after Hezekiah, his son Manasseh, who served for 55 years, led Judah astray, the southern kingdom. Now, I'm just going to back up and just read a couple of things to kind of get us to chapter 22. Chapter 21, beginning in verse 10, it says, The Lord said by his servants, the prophets, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these abominations and has done these things more evil than all that the Amorites did who were before him. The Amorites were the peoples, the Jebusites, the, the Canaanites, all those groups of people that inhabited the promised land before Moses and those folks came out of Egypt into the land. So the Amorites is kind of a, a big picture term. And has made Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon Jerusalem and Judah such disaster that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. And unfortunately, Manasseh was followed by his son Ammon, and he was no better. Verse 19, Ammon was 22 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh his father had done. In fact, it was so bad that Ammon's own servants assassinated him, and the people made his eight-year-old son, Josiah, the new king. So if you look at the history there, you have a great king in Hezekiah, and then followed by 57 years. Now, that's, that's more years than a bunch of you have been around. 57 years of evil leadership that led people away from God, chasing after idols and committing so much evil that God said he's going to bring disaster upon Judah. Thankfully, Ammon's son, Josiah, though very young, was faithful to God. So we jumped it now, get to chapter 22, in verse 1 it says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. Doesn't mean literally David, but an ancestor. And he did not turn aside to the right or the left. In other words, he stayed on the, the center ground. He comes to power in about 640 B.C., he begins to reign over Judah and Jerusalem. And eight years later, at the age of 16, we read in Second Chronicles that he begins to very seriously now seek after the Lord and to begin to bring religious reforms into the land. And one of the things that happens um, is, again, we're looking at a map. Here's the Assyrian Empire, a little different map. This is the kingdom of Josiah. Uh, what had been a very small area like this, Assyria is now being attacked by the Babylonians over here, and now some by the Egyptians who are kind of revolting. And so they're kind of pulling out of this area. And so the kingdom of Josiah, instead of being a very small area, is starting to enlarge itself as the historic Jewish nation kind of comes back together a little bit in, in this period of time. So it's kind of a time when Assyria is on the wane. They're kind of pushed out to the sides, and there's no, there's, it's kind of a power vacuum. 
And so he has this opportunity to do this. And he has come to the Lord at the age of 16, really committed his life, and he's starting to offer reforms into the land. Ten years later, when he's 26, he, he, he tells it's time that we repair the temple, which had been damaged and uh, his father and grandfather had brought in idols into it, had destroyed aspects of it, had done all kinds of things that were really, really bad. And so in the process of restoring the temple, a scroll was found that had been lost, maybe, maybe not even missed by the previous corrupt leadership. So in verse 10 it says, Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Now, when you read, especially in the Old Testament times, biblical times, you read of someone tearing their clothes, putting on sackcloth, a rough, very rough cloth, or, or, or covering their head in ashes. It's a sign typically of sorrow, of repentance. Josiah, who had been faithful to the Lord in those, those years, who sought to lead his people back to God, as he hears for the first time this book of the law being read, he had been doing what he knew to do, but suddenly as he reads the book of the law, he discovers how far short he has been living out God's word and God's commands to God's people. And it, and it grieves him and, and it terrifies him. He's overwhelmed with sorrow and grief and, and shows himself to be sad. The, the book, the word book here, which in the original Hebrew indicated it was really more of a scroll, is called the book of the law, which sometimes referred to the first five books of the Old Testament, but usually it referred to primarily the fifth one, Deuteronomy. Now, we're not 100% certain exactly what they had. They had at least parts of Deuteronomy, maybe all of Deuteronomy, maybe all the way back to Genesis. But whatever it is, in Deuteronomy, Moses recounts many of God's laws. And then as he does it, because Deuteronomy is spoken as the Hebrews are on the edge of the promised land. And Moses, because he, was, he did some stuff wrong, he's not going to be allowed to go into the promised land. And so he's giving them kind of his last hurrah. He's spelling out his last final reminders to the, to the Hebrews before they go into the promised land. And that's recorded in Deuteronomy, this, this, this one book. And in it, he lays out blessings that God's people will experience if they're obedient, and at the same time, curses that will come upon them if they fail to obey. So Josiah has read that. He, he has heard and, uh, and learned of these curses and clearly understands that they have fallen short in some areas. So he calls for the priest Hilkiah and several other high officials to go and seek out a prophetess named Huldah and inquire from her about the writings on the scroll because he is afraid that he and the people of God are going to be condemned because of their disobedience, even though they didn't, some of them didn't know about it. And here's part of the message that God gave Huldah to pass on to Josiah, verse 18. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you've torn your clothes and wept before me, 
I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your, to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back word to the king. And what we see here is that because Josiah was legitimately grieved, he was very repentant, he was sorry, he wept, he was showing his deep faithfulness to God. God says that he is going to delay punishing Judah for its sins during the time of the kings Manasseh and Ammon. But King Josiah is not yet finished. Chapter 23 then, verse 1, then the king sent and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests, and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. As all the people heard the word of God and reflected on what God was saying, it, it, they all repented of their sins and made a covenant before the Lord to seek him out, to obey him with all of their heart and soul. And in fact, as they sought to read and reflect and obey God's word, God brought essentially a national revival and big reforms for the remainder of Josiah's reign. He, he would redouble his efforts to get rid of many of the evils in the land. He would send the priests out to teach the people the word of God. And, and the people put away some of their, their sinfulness and, and began to turn. You know, it's amazing when we, sometimes when we really, really read God's Word and, and we, we understand that it is speaking truth, it can convict us. It can open our eyes. And, and if, we, if we never see that as we're reading God's Word, then we may not be reading or studying it very carefully. Now, we learn later in Kings that Josiah would actually die in a battle in 609 B.C. But God delayed the destruction that he had foretold until after Josiah's death on Judah and Jerusalem. Unfortunately, his son turned away from God, and within four years of, of Josiah's death, the Babylonians would essentially... Uh, growing in power, annex Judah, deport some of its leading citizens, such as the prophet Daniel, and would eventually completely destroy Jerusalem and the temple and deport most of the remaining Jews into exile to Babylon in 587-586 B.C. But during this time, as Josiah and all the people focused on God and on his word, they experienced God working powerfully in their midst. Now, guys, why is this story important? Because the truth of the matter is, today is no different. How many people have forgotten the Word of God? How many people have overlooked what God's Word says? 
And yet, God's word is powerful. One study, in one study, there was a roughly 50% increase in peace and joy for those who regularly read and reflected on God's word versus those who didn't. Another survey affirmed that the Bible is the most powerful catalyst for spiritual growth, and reflection on Scripture is the most influential spiritual practice. And that's because as disciples of Jesus, as we seek to be more and more like him, as we seek to grow through the power of his Spirit, he releases his fruit into our lives. And and the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In other words, these things don't come to us naturally. These are fruits of God's Spirit working in us as we seek to follow Him, to trust Him. If you look around our world today and you say, well, you know, there doesn't seem like there's much love in, in our world today. It doesn't seem like there's much gentleness or kindness. Then maybe we have to ask ourselves, have we been increasingly moving away from God and His ways and, and, you know, this stuff kind of works out of sight, out of mind. It's not like you just go from here suddenly to here. It's this slope over time of little changes here and there. And what we start to see is, an, is a nation and a land and a world and cultures that are increasingly out of tune with God and what he says. And yet this is the life you and I called, are called to through God's Spirit, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. But we have to cooperate by, by diving into these spiritual practices. It's, it's not magic. God doesn't just simply say, okay, because you have a good attitude or you want to change, poof, everything's different. As you read through the King's section, you see that it was over a period of years as the people sought to follow and, and all that the destruction promised was delayed. And so I want to just kind of from a practical matter this morning, spend the remainder of our time overviewing how we can more dive into God's Word. And, and you'll find more information and details on our Find It page. And hey, when I'm speaking to a group this large, some of the stuff I say, you're going to say, I've been doing that my whole life. And some of you are going to say, I've never heard that before. And some of you are going to say, that's an interesting idea. I mean, we got to recognize that in a group this large, we're, we're all over the place. Some of us are not even sure if Jesus is our Savior and Lord. We haven't made that decision yet. And some of us, we can't remember a day when he wasn't. So we have to understand. So as, as I do this in this setting, I, I want to encourage us because... It's why we're doing some of the other classes. It's why we have practical discipleship. It's why we have small groups. It's because there are opportunities for us to dig into these things, maybe more where we're at. And some of the tools that I'm going to talk about are, are designed. They can, they, can, they can take you, if you haven't gone very far, and they can take you, you've gone very far, to try to look at it. The word Bible comes from both Latin and Greek words that just simply mean book. And this one book is a collection of 66 different books comprising all kinds of literatures, history, biography, poetry, prophecy, letters, written by about 40 different authors over a period of about 1,500 years. So it's a wide range, and obviously that's important. And yet despite all of these literature types, despite all of these authors, despite 1,500 years, okay, Can you conceive of 1,500 years? It's from today going all the way back to the 500s. 
That's a long time. And the Bible was written over that period of time. Yet it has this remarkable unity because ultimately it is believed and claimed by, by Christians that it actually has one author. And that author is God who guided the writing by these authors. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, as the people in Josiah's time saw. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and, his, and equip His people to do every good work. So this is incredibly important stuff. We saw it in the time of Josiah, and it still happens today. When we dive into God's Word and allow God's Spirit to conform our lives to His Son, Jesus, as His disciples, we begin to discover the riches of His Word and how it can impact our lives. So here are some, some suggestions for studying and meditating on Scripture. And very first thing is, ask God to meet you in Scripture. If you believe He still exists, if you believe He is real, if you believe He is not somewhere out there and disconnected, but as we sang, He is present and seeking us out, then how do I meet Him? Have a plan for reading, whether it's a pre-prepared plan like the Life Journal reading plan that, that I typically use, some of you use. Um, I, I post on, on my Twitter page each day some of the scripture I read from that day, and it, it gets onto my Facebook page as well. Or, or there are plans in the Uversion Bible app, or uh, maybe it's just take a chapter a day, or a, a passage a day, something. But before you begin each day, Take a moment to ask God, hey God, what do you want me to hear? What do you want me to see? May your Holy Spirit work in me so that I'm not just trying to get through this passage. I'm not just checking the box that look at me, I read my Bible today, but that I have sought you. And as you read, if you really sought him, and I've had this, many of you have had this experience, and not like every time, but I have this experience. Sometimes something, an idea strikes me out of the blue, or a passage of the scripture just jumps out at me, or it says something I never saw before, or I feel convicted because I realize that I've fallen short in an area that God is speaking to me in that moment. Be open to what God can say by asking him to meet you. Second, read the Bible in its context. In other words, what did it mean in its original setting? We, we first try to discern its original meaning in its original setting, and then we come back and say, okay, then what is the application for that for us today? Because that's really important because it prevents us from bringing our interests or our culture or our thoughts or our understandings to bear first on Scripture. To, because trust me, you and I can read into Scripture almost anything we want. But the question is not what do we want. What does God want? What is God trying to say? And so we want to allow God to speak what God intended to say. And that's why we need to recognize that some of the Bible is history, which is more of a reporting of facts. But other parts are poetry or songs. 
And, and poetry or songs is filled with symbolism and, and, and irony and exaggeration. The other parts are parables. And parables are symbolic stories that typically are designed to make one main point. And, and you don't want to push every detail of the parable all the way out to the extreme. Uh, other portions of it are law. What does God command? And other parts are proverbs that convey wisdom. But wisdom isn't necessarily law. Wisdom is something that may apply in most situations, but there may be occasional variances. The opening words of Psalm 42 are very figurative. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. I mean, I could say, I want to know you, God. But this poetic way speaks, conveys a message in, for many people more deeply than just a simple statement. So context is really important for discerning what God's truly saying to us. But the reality is, sometimes we don't have enough background knowledge to recognize that. So in, in, in many cases, when needed, we need to go to study aids to help us understand the Scriptures. I mean, just think how much things have changed in your lifetime. You know, when I was really young, the word cool only meant chili. And then it came to mean something else. There are all kinds of words that in our lifetimes have literally changed meanings. And so sometimes we have to look and reflect on what is what. It, is, was meant two or 3,000 years ago in the Middle East and Southern Europe versus in our own times. But here's the thing. Even though the cultures may change, people don't change. That's part of the power of the Bible, is that from our creation in, in early Genesis all the way through to the end of Revelation, people are always people. And, you know, I mean, I like Star Trek. I watched it. They, sometimes they would talk about people evolving. But the truth of the matter is, over several thousand years, people haven't changed. Sin is still a reality in our lives. People are still battling the same thing. Yeah, they may take different forms. Our idols, instead of being a little hunk of metal, may be a, a big hunk of metal with four tires. You know? Or it may be a house. Or it may be a person. There are all kinds of, of things. So that's why we, we understand that the Bible is timeless. Cultures do change, and sometimes we miss helpful points because we read it from our perspectives only rather than seeing it from the perspective of one living in those times. And so a lot of times it's very helpful to use study Bibles. Now, in, in my, this picture I took last night in my study Bible, which is right here, Okay, it's, it's big and thick and kind of scary. <laughs> but what I want you to see, okay, here is Psalm 100. Today's reading is actually Psalm 100 and Psalm 102 in my, the plan that I use on a daily basis. Here is Psalm 100 talking about the background. Here, verse 1, joyful noise, gladness, singing. What does this mean? He who made us. This could be a reference to God's work as creator of all, and so on and so forth. Gates, courts, parts of the temple complex. Five, good, full of generosity. There are things there that help me. Over here on the side, 
And I, I, I'm not expecting you to be able to read all this stuff. I just want you to, to recognize these are references to other scriptures in the Bible where there are sort of ties that could be made between these. And down here, there's a little note up here from this point right here that checks on some of the, how the translation has worked. Go to the next one. Uh, the, 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 my other reading is Hebrews chapter 5. And now I kind of go overboard with highlighting. So I'm just, but hey, do you know you can highlight if it's your book? Some of us grew up in school and we weren't allowed to write in our books. But I'm telling you, you can, and you can write in it. And, and this is my reading today, and here I put immature spirituality. I made a note to myself. For though, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word, word, word of righteousness since he is a child. I thought, wow. Now, there's some symbolic language there, but it talks about how we do that. And I, so I made a note to myself. I made another note over here that from a previous year in this Bible, and I'll get to that tomorrow. And here are commentary. These are notes. Some Bibles have very little. Some have much. Some have none at all. But the point being, a study Bible can be a great tool. And some of you um, have study Bibles, and some of you don't even know that they exist. There's not just one study Bible. There are lots of them. One of my favorites is what's called the Life Application Bible. This was the first study Bible I ever had, which it doesn't have quite as much stuff in it, but it, it gives you places that say not only what does it mean, but what does it mean to us today? Because that's the important thing. What did it mean then, and what does it mean to us today? There are other aids like Bible dictionaries, maps, charts, notes, uh, you can go deeper through things called commentaries and other study tools. And, and we put some things together previously and also this week uh, on our website. And I want to just kind of walk through some of these things real quick to just kind of point you to some things. So here's a book, How to Read the Bible, that some of our staff recommended. Um, let's see. Here it is. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth that was uh, actually first written in the 80s, that's a long time ago, but it's been recently updated three or four times, that whether you're a beginner or you've been studying the Bible all your life, there's a whole range of things in here that could, could help you. Uh, next, that's off my iPhone, okay? I created a, 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 a thing called Bible. Uh, this is the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, we talk about that all the time. It's free. It's incredible. It, it, um, I'll show you some more. This is a, a translation uh, that's just the NIV. This is a Bible program I have that's available also as an app, uh, a Bible program, Bible study, Bible gateway is another, scripture memory, the blue, li the, the, the blue uh, Bible. Uh, this is, has a lot of uh, helps through the Word. Uh, there's several of those kinds of things. Um, go to the next there are pamphlets, and I put some of this information in there, um, short pamphlets like how to study the Bible, okay? I mean, that's not 1,500 pages, 
But how we got the Bible, Bible translations, one-year reading plan, why trust the Bible, and lots more. There are dozens of these, and I've included information about that on our website if you're interested in, in digging into those. And by the way, if you watch, uh, they have sales from time to time. Um, the, the next thing is the Version Bible app. I mentioned that before. It has reading plans. Here are like new to faith. I just opened it up. Here are some studies through the Bible. Here's some things related to work. Here's some things related to leadership. And it goes down and down and down. Some of these are short-term studies. Some of these are longer term. Uh, next is Bible Gateway. This is a website that you can, if you want to look up a scripture and you can change the translation. And here are references, cross-references. Here are books. And they even have a a study thing that you can do a trial with and, and go deeper. Uh, the next one that we use is called Right Now Media. And you hear us about that because if, you, if you're a part of our church family, you have a free membership to this. Why am I telling you this? Because we have put on the Gateway Community page, see there's the G on there, here are some uh, Torah series, theme series, gospel series, wisdom series, word Bible study, how to read the Bible. There's several of these, and, and you can go further down, life group studies, and there are more studies. Let's go to the next page. Here's one of the cool things um, that, that are in there. It are these videos, and notice 8, 8, 7, 6, 8, 7, 8, so they're fairly short. Genesis part 1, Genesis part 2, Exodus part 1, part 2, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and virtually every book of the Bible that it's a video that kind of walks you through and they draw this picture of an overview of the Bible, of that particular book. So you're saying, I don't have a clue what this is about. Well, in seven or eight minutes through Right Now Media, or you can find these on YouTube, um, you can walk through and get a, a really pretty good overview. Um, go to the next one. Okay, this is um, out of my Bible. I have a Bible program. Some of you, that's way beyond what you need. But some of you, 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 you want to dig in more. And so every, every time I work on a, a message or anything else, this is my open page. And you'll notice I have six translations that are open side by side that allow me to look. And there are some places here to go deeper. And uh, if I highlight a word, it shows it in Greek and Hebrew down here. Um, I, I'm not saying you need to go out and buy that. But maybe some of you do. And we've listed about three different Bible software programs that a lot of people like to use. Um, and there are also lots of apps. Go to the next one. Uh, this Let's see. That is this little book, and this is a book that our whole staff uses as a daily devotional. And, and every year we, we do a different one. Um, there's also our daily bread, which is free, that our church provides. They're out on the counters. Many of you use this, many of you don't. It gives you a daily reading and a, a, some insights. There are also um, books called commentaries, and those are on some of those Bible websites and things like that, and I just wanted to show you on that because there's a range. There are, last couple years ago, I did a study on 1 John for us, and I went and I found these, and these are all very short, and these are the kind of books that you can find at Mardell, Lifeway, uh, you could order online, 
These are five different commentaries just on 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Jude. So you don't have to go in depth. However, sometimes we get carried away or you're studying something deeper and you get into a big commentary. And this is just one book, Ezekiel, and it's thick. And sometimes there are even two volumes. And these commentaries are things that help us try to understand what is What's the context? What's the setting? What does God want us to understand? And so we've, and believe me, the point for each of us is where are you? And, and if you are new to this, you don't need to be buying maybe a Bible software program, but maybe you need to be looking at an app that's free that can help you read. Um, some are free, others you have to pay for, but there are all these tools. And what we really want from our study and meditation, though, is not simply information, but transformation. Changing the heart. Changing us. So most of us may not need all of that, but at some point we do. Also, if you grew up with the King James Version of the Bible, and you feel very comfortable with Shakespearean English, more power to you. But if, if you don't like, if you're not comfortable with Shakespearean English, and some of you, somebody gave you a Bible and it's a King James Bible, it's the only Bible you've got, and it doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you, there are modern translations. When I showed that accordance, I showed you six different ones, all of them modern translations. And it may be something that you need to look at. Um, when when people are considering that, what I encourage them to do is go to a bookstore or online or in their app and read the same verse or verses in several translations to see which one is speaking to you, which one is God using. And I've included some translations, uh, information about translations in our reference materials. Again, the purpose of study aids is not to replace our own study and meditation. You may read a passage and not need it at all, but it is there if you need it to enhance, to understand. Four, read the Bible in a repentant spirit. Read the Bible to learn. Read the Bible to allow it to challenge maybe some of your long-held convictions. Read it with a readiness to surrender everything, as Josiah did when he heard the Word of God. Read it with a vulnerable heart, knowing you need what God has to offer. Read it wisely, not just for information, but for transformation. Read it with a resolve to be obedient to what God says. It's dangerous to read it simply to prove you're right. I have begun a week where I I had a scripture and a a message topic that I was going to be working on in a sermon, and, and I had a pretty good idea of what I thought it needed to say. And as I studied God's word that week, as I dug in, I discovered that I had to change where I was going because it wasn't really what God's Word was saying. And my responsibility is not to be obedient to my desires or what I think sounds good. I hold myself up to God's Word as my standard. And and that's what Josiah did. And that's what the people of God have always done. Fifth, meditate on a fairly brief passage or narrative. Now, again, a reading plan is great. There's value in, in seeing the big picture um, and seeing the big themes. And there are lots of one-year reading plans that can take you through the whole Bible in a year, and that's great. But for transformation, you also have to go slow. 
meditating on what God's saying. Therefore, sometimes you've got to allow yourself to immerse yourself in a short passage of Scripture. Maybe you read a big section, then you come back to one part of it that's speaking to you. And as you're, you're doing it, you want to go di- deeper, so you read it again and read it again. Maybe you read it out loud to hear it differently. Maybe some words stump, jump out at you, and you start thinking about them, what they mean. Ask God if he wants you to, to speak to you through this passage or words. If you're reading a story, you may want to use your imagination to, to see the scene or to use your senses to make the story come alive. Maybe you want to put yourself in the place of one of the characters. Now, how would he or she see this? How would I have responded if I were in their place? In other words, spend some time. Success isn't measured by the number of pages read. Uh, Pastor John Ortberg says the goal is not for us to get through the Scriptures. The goal is to get the Scriptures through us. Yeah. So remember, knowledge about the Bible is good, but knowledge itself doesn't lead to spiritual transformation. When Paul told the Romans to be changed by a new way of thinking in chapter 12, he was referring to far more than just the acquisition of information. And finally, memorize key verses and portions of Scripture. Some, for some, that comes easy. For some, this is a, a real challenge. Memorization helps you carry God's Word with you into any situation, allowing His Spirit to bring it to mind to help you as you face situations in your day. Uh, it, it's built around the principle with the, what the mind repeats, it retains. So, you know, there are lots of ways that you can do it, but to spend some time hiding God's Word in your heart All of this recognizes that God's Word is valuable as our Creator's instructions for daily living. And it acknowledges a really, a very plain truth. The pain of discipline, at least in the short term, always costs less than the pain of regret. We may do some things in the short term and think they're fine, and we end up paying a price for that. God gave us his word to show us the way forward in life. It's not a guarantee that there won't be any pain because all we have to do is look at the life of Jesus. But it shows us how to make the most of this life. Now, we had a couple of you, and in this series, we're, going to be ta- we're talking to some of you and just sharing some insights. And so here's a couple of you talking about your time in God's word. Watch. Someone actually asked me, how do you, how do you remember those, those three books? Well, I, I run pretty regularly. And so when I'm running, then I just go back through the whole book, you know, and I'll do like, uh, in 30 minutes time, I can uh, recite two of, the, two of the books. So I'll, I'll just rotate them around and as I'm running, I'll just do it. That's why I keep, how I keep it fresh in my memory. But it's, it's, it's pretty neat. I can't tell you how many times I use those verses. It, it's just absolutely amazing. You'll be walking around and you'll just be thinking, and because it's already in your head, you, you, those verses just come right to you immediately when you need them. So it's been pretty neat. So. It was really neat because every week we would get together and, and as we're memorizing these books of the Bible, uh, we would realize that we would say, look, I, I memorized these five verses and, and I used them all week. I mean, and, and, and it was just amazing that when you memorize the verses, you're just using them the whole time. Since then, we've memorized, uh, we start off with uh, Philippians, then we memorize James, and then we memorize Ephesians, and then we memorize the Sermon on the Mount. So that's where we are right now. And so we've got those three books and the Sermon on the Mount memorized, and, and we're trying to figure out what the next one we're going to memorize. We haven't done that yet, but it's, it's been pretty neat. And I can't tell you how many, how amazing it is to, uh, to uh, the, the words just come alive when you actually have to memorize it.
God called me to His Word. It is not anything that I can take credit for. God gave me a desire to study His Word, and He woke me up in the morning to do it. A couple years back, I decided that I wanted to get healthy, and I wanted to start working out. And so that's why I started getting up early in the morning. It wasn't to do anything with Jesus. Sorry to admit that that wasn't what it was. Um, but since I was getting up, I did want to spend time in prayer. And since I was spending time in prayer, I needed to read his word first. And since I was reading his word, I might as well do a study. And God just kept pushing me. And it wasn't probably for a year until I realized he was not waking me up to go work out. <laughs> Bible Study Fellowship was a huge help for me in that um, because it gave me a very long study to do. It gave me something to sink my teeth into and to create that habit. If we only do something for six weeks or we only do something for 10 weeks, that's not long enough to really create that habit. And if we do it the way most of us, because of our lives and our busyness and our distractions is where, well, I know I'm supposed to do it every day, but I'm gonna cram it all in on Saturday then that really doesn't create that habit. But God was so gracious to me. I mean, he set that desire on my heart. And as I did it, he rewarded me with a sense of accomplishment. He rewarded me with that understanding. He rewarded me with when I needed the word, it was available to me, all of those things. You know, studying the Bible is, is, a, is a really important part of my life. And, and I was, you know, I, was, I came to realization that, you know, how can, how can you say you believe in something if you haven't read it, right? And, and so, you know, to me, one of the most important reasons why I study the Bible is because I tell people, this is what I believe in. This is, this is what I base my life on. And if I haven't read it, then that's, that's, a, that's a big problem, right? So. Somebody may experience their, the presence of God during worship, or they may experience the presence of God during prayer. And I don't discount that at all. I think that's a beautiful thing. And I enjoy both of those experiences. But God's word tells me who that presence is, <laughs> that it's a good presence. God's word tells me that he is for me. God's word tells me that I can conquer anything if I've got him and I'm in his will. I think studying Bible, uh, for, for those of you out there who haven't been doing it, is it, such an important part. And um, there's always an analogy I use, I think it's really neat. And, and so there's this professor and he gets in front of these, these, this class and he takes out a jar and he's got all these different size rocks and he says, okay, um, uh, I want you to put these rocks in this jar. So these students come up and they try and they can't, they can't make it work. And so he says, okay, now let me try. So what he does is he gets it, he sorts them all and gets all the big rocks first and he puts them in. Then he gets the next size rocks and finally puts all the sand in and it all fits. And he says, so what's the moral of the story here? And so one smart student raises his hand and says, oh, you know, if you plan it all out, you can fit it all in. He goes, no. He goes, the most important thing is you put the big rocks in first, right? Take care of your big rocks first. And you know, for those of us who always think we're, we're too busy or I don't have time to study the Bible or I don't have time, it, 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 it's, you're putting the small rocks in first. If you know what your big rocks are, and there's always room for everything else. And what I found is that if you put the big rocks in first, if you take care of, 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 of you know, praying and, and, and studying your, the Word and, and then your family, if you know what your big rocks are, you put those in first, there is always room for everything else. Everything else always fits. It always does. One of the first turning points on, on my life was when my dad died. I remember being in the chapel and knowing he was going to die, knowing that was what was going to happen. And God's word flooded me. God's word told me 
there is a heaven and that's where he is going. God's word told me, if I am for you, who can be against you? God's word told me, I was there at the beginning and I will be there at the end. God's word told me, there is not a day that you will see that I have not already seen. His word flooded me and gave me such confidence and such peace and security and comfort. And I understood for the first time, you know, in all things, take them to God with thanksgiving and he will give you that peace that passes all understanding. This is what it says in Psalm 1. Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I think you just saw two great examples of that experience. And many of you also have that experience. Our prayer team is going to be down here if you need to talk to somebody about some of this. I want to remind you that it's still not too late to sign up for our, our uh, practical um, discipleship classes. And one of those is studying the book of Ephesians. And one of them is studying methods of study. Uh, also, some of our short-term groups. We have another one that is on the uh, uh, book of Philippians, I believe. Uh, or another study. I can't, I've gone blank. But um, those opportunities are still there for you to work on that discipline and that practice. And I hope that you will do that and look at the ways that you yourself can do that. If you're dependent on me or somebody else in a pulpit week in and week out for your total um, uh, experience of God's Word, you're going to starve. I mean, that's, that's as simple as I can say it. And God never intended for you and me to simply sit and listen to someone and that be enough. He intended for us to invest our lives. And like Tony said, by putting the big rocks in, everything else fits. Also, a chance for you, another way to put your faith in practice is our volunteer. Uh, right over here is uh, Josh, and, and he's there, and you're welcome to go over there and join him, and he'll walk you through and talk to you about some of that. If you're a guest, uh, we'll be, I'm going to be out here with some friends. would love to say hello to you. Would you join me? Let us close in prayer. God, we love you so much. And we're just in awe that you love us in spite of all of our faults and failings. That just as you, you revealed yourself to Josiah through the book of the law and, and helped him realize where he came short, you still speak to us today through your word. Father, help us to feel motivated to want to know you better through your word. Help us to spend time. Help us to make it a priority. Help us to set aside some of the things that, are, that easily distract us and know that you can take us to a life that's amazing, that, that you came that we might have life and have it abundantly, that you care about us, that you seek us out, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Help us to claim and live those promises through your word, Father, we pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next week. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.